Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. This week's Parsha is Parsha Vayakel, um, and uh, we are going to be talking about a part of the Parsha that actually I um, I referenced, though we're going to be taking a different spin on it, in Midrasha yesterday, um, but because I didn't get to tell this story to everybody and I didn't podcast that class, I'm going to share this story because Rabbi Shapiro will also think it's very funny and maybe remember it. When I applied to Temple Betham, I wrote a cover letter. And in the cover letter, I said that I was excited, based on my experience as an intern, to bring back to Temple Betham, Chochma, Bina, and Dat. And, you know, we're going to bring up those words in just a moment. Because she's part of Chabad. Surprise! I didn't know that Chabad's acronym was because of Chokhmah, Bina, and Dat. So Rabbi Adam Klickfeld called me after after receiving the cover letter and said, Rabbi Schatz, I am so excited to see how you are going to bring Chabad to Temple Betham during your interview week. And the You're very from. You're very from. I'm very from. So the rest is history, but that is the, that is the, um, verse we are going to be looking at today. And that's why we are turning Temple Beth Am <laughs> to a Chabad Center on La Cienega and Olympic. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for joining our food podcast yeah. and our important announcement. Great. Okay. You, do you want to do this or do you want me to do it? Yeah, I got it. Okay, great. I'm just, I'm just hungry now. Sorry. Well, teach the class and then you can go eat. I want to eat now. I'm hungry. I haven't had my snacks yet. Maybe that's why I'm a lot. Okie dokie. My computer is back slow again. Should we explain to people why I'm back in a slow computer? No. It started raining in my office last week, everybody. Or yes, I guess. It literally started raining in my office. I can share the video at the end of class uh, when we are offline. You know, yeah, when we're offline. Yeah. It's dramatic. Okay. Um, as we referenced probably two and or three weeks ago, um, the instructions for building the Mishkan, the tabernacle, basically happen twice, essentially, right? And and there are slight differences, um, but the two uh, parshiot before last week's parsha and now this week and next week um, give us a lot of detail in the construction of the tabernacle, the portable sanctuary in which the presence of God would dwell as the Israelites went about their wanderings. It's going to be a little tricky to find stuff when we've already talked about how to build this, but Rabbi Schatz already told you where we're going. It's going to be great. All right, Rabbi Schatz? All right. Great. Um, feel the excitement coming out of Rabbi Schatz's Louisiana home. The shots by you, if you will. Definitely not in Louisiana. <laughs> um, so after last week, kind of an eventful uh, Parsha. Moses brings everybody together and he talks to them about how, interestingly, he starts by saying what what builds community is Shabbat um, and starts actually giving a few more guidelines in terms of what Shabbat is. If you go back to the Ten Commandments, you'll see that there's actually not a lot of uh, guidance in terms of how you should actually observe Shabbat. It says here you shouldn't light fire um, during the Shabbos. Um, I will just say very briefly, I thought about these verses for today. Like we, we talk about Shabbat in a variety of forms. We have services on Shabbat, but there is what to explore in terms of how we create meaningful Shabbat experiences for ourselves, which is an active conversation that we've been having as we try to figure out what Shabbat at TBA looks like coming out of COVID. Um, I was having a conversation with a congregant as, as I'm starting to do like family programming back in my department and uh, she said something like, uh, you know, it's so great that we're doing this stuff. You know, it's not, Shabbat's not supposed to be by yourself. Shabbat is a team sport, uh, which I, which I really so like. True. I this that. is, this is like, you know, and Moses bringing all the people together, right? Like he's bringing everybody together to say. Don't talk about that too much. I'm doing that tomorrow for Beitanya. Great. 
Never mind. We're going to go back in the podcast and erase that part. Uh, Shabbat is a team sport. Hooray for Shabbos in general and hooray for Shabbos in community. Did I spell your punch, punchline, Rabbi Shots? No, that was great. That had nothing to do with anything. I get that a lot. So um, then after we hear a bit about Shabbat, Moses moves into, you know, a, a set of instructions that we've seen a very, very, very similar version of recently about taking these gifts, everyone whose heart so moved them, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, these precious items, the goat's hair and the ram skins and the dolphin skins and the spices and the lapis lazuli. Did I get that right, Rabbi Schatz? Indeed. Very good. Um, and everyone who is skilled, Chacham Lev, should come um, and create this beautiful um, creation. Uh, the arcs, its poles, the table, its utensils, the lampstand, the altar, and all. I'm not going to just read off everything you make. I'm making a lot of stuff. The tabernacle. They're making a lot of stuff. Moses lays all that out. They go out, right, by they all go out to create it. Um, and everyone whose spirits will move them came to bring this offering. Um, men and women, uh, there's there's what to explore here in terms of how women are specifically mentioned uh, in terms of how this is constructed, uh, whether explicit or implicit, uh, the Torah is a very male-heavy text, to say the least. Um, so always noteworthy when it says everybody's doing this, right, men and women together. Male-centered. What? Male-centered. Sure. We know that. Um vaguely misogynistic can we do can we do that as well yeah i just i think that male heavy implies that 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 we're constantly talking about men which we're not but when we do talk about gender it's very male centered that's, yes. that's all i was getting at. yes well even in terms of verbs and all that good stuff right. but that's another class for another day we should do that class another day and everyone comes forward making these gifts uh, the women spinning with their own hands, bringing forth the yarn. Okay, it's a little stereotypical in terms of gender roles, but that's great. They're making some yarn and the goat hair, um, and people are bringing their things forward, right? Everyone who starts to move them, like leaning on that phrase again and again, um, that the people are coming forward, are, are bringing their their offerings towards this project. Um now we're going to get into the two verses that we're going to be exploring in a bit more depth today. Rabbi Shatz, can I, sh- can I share a, mm, do I want to share this now? Anyway, I'm going to share it now. Um, there's a teaching that I really, really love on the construction of the tabernacle that I learned from Rabbi Ruth Sohn. It's a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov um, because, you know, it, it's, it's a big project and people brought a lot of stuff forward. I think it's more on Pekude, which is next week, but I'm not going to be here next week. I am hypothetically going to be in Israel. So I'll share it now. Um, that everyone brought something different to this process, but after they brought it forward and after it was completed, when they all turned to look at it, no one could see what they brought individually. They could only see the the collective project that they had created together, which is a really, really lovely teaching about the balance and the role of the individual and the communal, right? We each have something to bring forward. And ideally we get to a place that when we look at what we've created and what we've brought, um, we see um, not just what we did individually, but what we've done as a group. I think that that's really, really lovely. But that is, as they say, not really what we're talking about today. I just wanted to share it because it's a lovely teaching. Okay, Uh, chapter 35, verses 30 and 30. One, Moses says to the Israelites, see, behold, God has singled out by name, Betzalel ben Uri ben Hur, this craftsman who is named Betzalel and gives his lineage, he's from the tribe of Judah. oto ruach Elohim. He has filled him with the spirit of God, um, with a divine spirit, as it's translated here. Bechochmah, bitfunah, uvedaat, uvechol mlacha. As soon as you translate these words, it gets a little tricky because, you know, 
in some ways it's saying with intelligence, with intelligence and with intelligence, right? And there, there are different types of knowing, which is a big part of what I believe we're going to be talking about today, depending on how things unfold. So um, he's, he has the spirit within him with, I'll just read off the translation here and we can sort of pepper in our understandings of it with skill, with ability and with knowledge, um, and in every kind of craft. I'll point out sort of a, a quick a quick thing and then a general framing, and then I'll turn it over to Rabbi Schatz. It, it is interesting to me, I just noticed reading through that first verse, that the, the et nachta, if you'll forgive the, the, the trope exploration for a second, right? The et nachta is like the comma, right? In, in a verse in the Torah. You would think that the et nachta would go with B'tzalel, right? Behold, God has called out the name of B'tzalel. It's, it's interesting to me. I don't know quite what to make of it. It says, behold, God has called the name. Pause. It's how, it's just, I don't know, Rabbi Schatz, if you notice that, but I, I think it's sort of a, a funky punctuation-y type of thing. I don't know what to make of it, but I just noticed reading it through. In terms of the bigger picture conversation, I, I think one of the pieces that I'm interested in here is when we think about what it is to know and understand and gain insight into the world, there are different ways of thinking about our experience and trying to understand what's happening around us. And I think it's a worthy and important conversation to explore the different ways in which we learn and gain understanding and think about how we can sort of have the, the meta conversation about how we build and hone um, those those skills that we need to have to, to deepen our understanding of the world. I've, I, I can riff on that, but I will pause and okay. turn it over to Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. Um, any kushiot, any questions about these two verses? Yes, Taibo. You know, those of us that do genealogy, um, Aside from the patriarchs, where we get the grandfather, is the, do you do either of you or anyone happen to know is this unusual where we're not just hearing the usual patronymic, but we hear the father's patronymic, and what that significance would be when it's not the patriarchs? I, I don't know, other than to say I think there are other times in Torah where we hear like lines going further and further back when they're introducing someone of. Of renown, um, I don't know why specifically Bitsalo, um, but I think it does show a certain element of his status that we not only know his name, but we know where he comes from twofold. Um, I don't have a more direct answer than that, but that is that is my sense. Any other kushiot or questions? Kushiot are questions. That was redundant. Uh, on these two verses. <laughs> Okay. Well, oh, yes, Karen. You might have said something. Why him? Great. Um, I I don't have so many um, um, sources on that answer. That's actually the class that I taught yesterday morning. Um, so I'm happy to send you the source sheet that I, that I used. But it's a great question. Why this guy? What does he have other than these, these artistic and knowledgeable aspects of his, of his character? Um, but why him? Why was he singled out by God? And also his name. I don't think we've said this yet. Betzalel means in the shade of God. Right. Or as someone pointed out, I think it was Denise actually in class yesterday. It also makes us think of Betselem Elohim. Right. There are definitely letters missing. Um, but just being in the shadow of God or in the image of God is um, this guy is very connected to God, both in name and also in being chosen for this work. So, again, happy to send you the source sheet. I, maybe Rav Shapiro has stuff on this. I, I don't specifically on his name um, or why why this guy, but I can I can send you some stuff after. Other thoughts, comments, questions really is all I'm asking for, but I guess thoughts and comments are good too. Okay. Um, Paula, can I ask something? Oh yeah, sorry. I didn't, I didn't see you. I didn't raise my hand. That's right. Um, So does this mean that God, like he picked and chose this man, like he could do God, you know, 
in Rabbi Rousseau's words, Adonai, the living presence, could do this to anybody with any any abilities, you know, these particular skills and the knowledge of every kind of craft. Right. But it could be in anything, in singing, in... So as opposed to, you know, we can cultivate these things. We don't have to be endowed with these things. So yeah. it's interesting to me that there's this endowment here. Great. Great. Yeah, I... Um... We, I think we, maybe this is what Ravish is going to get at in terms of the mental health piece, like knowing that you have these skills versus someone else helping you to recognize that you have these skills, I think is actually um, very powerful. I, I've shared a few times and Ravish Bear does not like when I do this during the Kushia section, but I'm going to do it. Um, I've shared a, a few times. Uh, it's okay. I just shared a random teaching that even had nothing to do with the parsha that before I even got into it. So it's a uh, it's a scattered day. So when we're 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 on the same page. We're locked um, in. Yeah. When I was in high school, I somehow, based on scheduling, was put into a choir class with all upperclassmen. And um, though I can sing and I knew I could sing, I did definitely at you know, 14 years old or whatever it was, had no confidence in really anything because as a 14 year old girl, you you don't. Um, And so I definitely did not feel very confident in my talent in a room full of people who had been doing this for three or four years. And I was very shy and I wasn't excited to sing. I wasn't excited to do anything. And the teacher uh, who is since become a very good family friend um, of ours and a very close mentor, like singled me out and put me in front of the class and had me lead something. And I was mortified and I hated him for doing it. And then I went to school for in college to become a music teacher and a conductor. And I, I think that sometimes people know people can see a talent in you that you can't see in yourself and being knowing how to draw that out, whether it's a skill or a talent, those are different things, but being able to draw those things out of you is very different than as you're pointing out, Paula, something that you kind of know that you have and whether or not you use it um, is very different than someone saying, I see this in you, you should go and, and either perfect it or use it. And in this case, God saying to Bezalel, create for me a home um, based on these, these skills uh, that you have. Uh, Mike and then Renee. Is it, is it, sort, is it sort of like Bezalel uh, like the uh, music director of the symphony and uh, all the players are uh, um, asked to contribute their part? But, yeah. you know, like if you took the L.A. Phil and you you ask any of the players about, you know, or if they were playing in a small ensemble, they would have their own special skill and you would hear them. They sure. play differently when they're playing in the in the orchestra sure. as a whole and under the direction of the music director. And, sure. um, you know, I. It's a special skill that uh, that that person has is the one that's chosen as the music director sure. that brings out not just the individual, but the, then the the individual as a group, like what yeah. Rabbi Shapiro was referring to in his in his teaching there about uh, the collective group. You couldn't see the individual, maybe, but you can still hear them, you know, and and. Right. Yeah, I think that that in terms of Bitsalo, what we get a little bit later on is that he is he's he's partnered with Oholiav. And what we know of that partnership is that they really complement one another in terms of one being able to do the artistry and the other one being able to teach others to do the artistry. So, you know, that the conductor metaphor that you're using or music director that you're using you could also use for like the CEO of a business or um, the manager of a company, right? You, you need to be able to, as the leader, bring people in, but of course you have to also be the one who has those skills that, that, that the company or the choir, you know, whatever, whatever metaphor we're using here 
needs to be able to perfect that, right? Needs the community then needs to be, or the employees, whatever, need to be able to follow that direction. And so you also need to be able to have those skills. You just might not be able to be the one who's also doing it from the inside. So I I think that you're getting at a very interesting aspect of kind of the artist behind the work, right? And what what it takes to be Bitsalel in this moment to create this tabernacle. Um, Renee and then Denise, and then we'll, Rabbi Shapiro will share something and then I'll share something and yeah. Okay. So two things. One, it, it occurs to me that it's, it could be related to like nature versus nurture. You know, he, he has yeah. certain inborn traits that he was born with. And so right. if you, if you already had that skill, then it was just the, the given, given his circumstances, it just made it even more come out yeah. more. And also, you know, with the Hashem part of it, you know, I, I personally believe that Hashem gives each of us our own, um, our own special koachs and sure. what we're good in. And, um, that was his. And just yeah. like with, I, I mentioned yesterday, like with Moses and Aaron, you know, they got paired together because one had one specific skills set and the other had the other and they kind of sure. complemented each other. Sure. And I think that's what, happens here as well great beautiful beautiful yeah denise so i'm noticing it says first that um hashem singled out by name bitello yeah and then it says he, that he was endowed with a divine spirit of skill yeah um so it just seems like a reverse order like it feels counterintuitive to list it that way uh-huh. rather than saying Look, Hashem sees this guy is filled with Ruach Elohim, Chachma Binadat, and therefore he's singled out by name, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, that is very interesting. I've never noticed that before, but you're right that, you know, instead of instead of putting the art before the artist, right, we're getting to know the guy and then saying all the things that, that he's good at. Um, so maybe this is a, a very different theme than the one that Rabbi Shapiro had put out for us, but maybe this is something something having to do with like how we present ourselves, right? Do we first present ourselves as the person that we are or the things that we can do? And then people get to know who we are based on those things. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, I think it's, I mean, what I was reflecting on looking at the verses, you know, he, Bitsalel is named and then there's that interesting phrase, right? He's like, he's singled out. And then it's like, God pours this stuff, like God filled him up with this stuff, right. right? Which, which Denise, to your point, you think it would be the other way, right? Like God fills him with this stuff and then says, Hey, <laughs> look at this guy. Who's got all this great stuff. Um, he's going to go do it. I think it connects a bit to Rabbi Schatz's, you know, story of learning by doing right. Sometimes, Hey, this is the person, uh, go, uh, go, yeah. go learn how to do it. Um, and I think, you know, Renee, in terms of what you were saying, there, there is an interesting like nature versus nurture piece to that too, right? Is it, is it that this is stuff that was innate within Bitsalel that was then brought out? Or did God kind of notice, hey, this, this seems like this might be a person who could really take, take on this, you know, captaining this project um, and then sort of supplementing um, his, his innate, you know, skills with, with all this additional stuff to, to bring that out in him. Um, I, I, I want to like dive into the Chochmah, Bina Da'at, Bina, I'm noticing your name. Like, so we've got Bina, we've got Bina on the call. All we need, all we need is uh, Chochmah and Da'at and we'll, we'll, we'll be complete. Um, we have that with our two rabbis. Oh, very nice. That was very sweet. Inaccurate. Now we'll just find nice. over who is who. Yeah. Rabbi Shat is Chochma and Da'at, and we have Bina, and also there, and also Matt Shapiro. And also You you both have part of each of those qualities. That's I, I would I'll that's that's spoiling my punchline. I'll make the argument that we can all cultivate all of those qualities. So that that's that's my punchline. You can you can log off now. Um, one thing is it's interesting for me to note the phrase Ruach Elohim on there. Right for those of you who who know the earliest part of Breishit, well, Beruach Elohim Merachefet Al Pnei Hamayim, by Yomer Elohim Yor Vayi Or. How do you know that by heart? 
That's your that's your Solomon Schechter Day School outside uh, outside of. Very impressed. Oh. Never been more impressed. Well, that's a nice low bar to clear. <laughs> um, so at the very beginning of Breshit, that specific phrase is used, and it's a relatively unusual phrase. And there's a, there's a lot written about the parallels between the creation of the tabernacle itself and the creation of the world, right? The sense that the tabernacle is the world in miniature. And so this idea that there's a, there's a, there's a specific element of God that is kind of being brought into the world um, for the, for this project to move forward. And, and, you know, that, that's a very texty thing, but I, but I do think it's also interesting to think about, for ourselves in terms of our own endeavors, um, what are the specific pieces? Renee, I mean, I, I also resonate with your sense that we each have a unique mission, role, purpose to play in this world. Um, and how do we access, you know, a specific piece of godliness as we go about carrying that task out? I think that that's an interesting piece. Um, somebody was asking about why, Taibo, was it you who was asking about like the genealogical elements? Um, if if I if I have my secondary uh, biblical characters in narrative correct, I believe Hur was the other person when the when Bnei Israel were originally fighting Amalek, and they would win when Moses had his hands up, and they would lose when he had his hands down, and right he couldn't do it by himself. So Aharon and I think it's Hur helped lift his arms up so that Ben Israel could win that battle, right? Um, and so I do think it's very interesting that Bitzalel is being specifically cited as a descendant of Hur as he's about to go in to this project, right? And so Moses is sort of surrounded by this presence, Aharon, who would become the high priest to execute the duties within the Mishkan, and Hur, one of his descendants is Betalel, who would actually create the, the Mishkan itself, right? So this really interesting idea that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of riffing on this, right? But that in order for Bnei Israel to fulfill their duty to win the battle that they needed to win, there's the, the physical construction, and then there's the execution, and then the sort of human element, of that. Um, I just, uh, that's a riff. I don't know if anyone else notices that, uh, but it seems interesting. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let that float around and see if it takes for anybody. Um, before we, we riff on like the piece a bit, did you have anything that you wanted to chime Um, on in with? Let me, I didn't have, I was listening so intensely. I didn't have my sheet open. So give me 30 seconds. Um, I don't think anything specifically off that topic. Cool. Um, I have the, I have an Ibn Ezra on, <clears throat> okay, yeah, I'll show this. Um, okay, da, 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 here we go. Okay, so this is an Ibn Ezra piece on Vayimale, right? Rabbi Shapiro, before the little drosh he just gave, was talking about how God really fills him up, um, with these, with these elements. Uh, oh, I saw that there was a chat and I was worried that I had just scooped a piece of Torah for Rabbi Shapiro, but he was just praising Paula. Um, so what Ibn Ezra says is God bore witness that Bitsala was saturated with wisdom, right? He's actually using that word. If we go up to the verse here for a second, he's using the word re'u, um, not to just be that you're going to see that this is his name, but that you, sh- that God saw that Bitsala was actually full of these things. Um, so saturated with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and in addition was skilled in, a ma- in all manner of workmanship. And I thought this was very interesting because we read Vayimale as God putting these things into Bitsala, but the way in which it's actually being read by this commentator is that God noticed that Betzalel was full of these things, right? And so he, God, um, somehow, like, um, I don't know, enhanced them to make them full, right, in Betzalel. So it actually, I didn't even think about this commentary when I shared that story about choir, but had I not been put in front of the room to be told that this was something that I should do, 
those skills and those abilities would have been in me and I would have sung and it would have been fine, but I wouldn't necessarily have been filled with an, an understanding of the fact that this was something I could do. And so what Ibn Ezra, I think, is saying here is this idea of this idea of full, filling up, is that God saw the elements of these pieces in Betzalel and then really filled him with them. And I, I don't know, I, I think that's so much nicer than thinking about like an empty vessel that you fill with something, but that it actually already exists and you decide to just to top it off, so to speak. You decide to to enhance it. Yeah, Nancy. Well, uh, piggybacking on that, I guess, I, I think it's interesting that it doesn't talk about inspiration until afterwards and you can be filled with lots of skill you can be you know have all this knowledge and understanding but if you don't have the passion to do it the inspiration the passion you're not going to and so I I just like they don't it isn't spoken about until much later or you know than what we're seeing and so and I just thought it was interesting because you, you need that part in order to actually complete the project. Sure. It's, it's a really, it's a really interesting statement. And I think it, a lot of it actually has to do with how we translate the words Chochmah, Bina, and Da'at because Chochmah is wisdom. Bina is a type of, um, uh, you want me to, you want me to try this? No, no, no. Oh, I mean, you can try. Sure. Oh, no, you can go. No, you do it. I want to hear what you were going to say. Wait, I wrote, I actually wrote it down because I always get the three words um, mixed up. Wait, no, go. What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's more fun to let you figure it out. Just the, the idea that, that hacham is like smarts and ability, right? And bina is a type of actual wisdom, like having, having wisdom of something. And then dot is an, is a general knowledge understanding. And so I think that, Oh, Ravishpiro does not like that. Okay, you go. Not that I don't like it. It's not, that's not my, I, I have heard it explained it differently. Okay, well. But I'll, I I'll defer my to my colleague first. Oh, thank you. To Fair then enough. tell her why she's wrong. So what, I, th- that's fine. You can tell me why I'm wrong. But what I was going to say is I think that Bina in that list is actually the passion, right? Is actually that, that element. You are right that it is, it is brought out separate from that list you know, later, later on, but the, the idea of knowing that it's not just about actual ability to know, you know, oh, this screw goes into that hole with that, you know, bolt at the end of it. Is it called a bolt, a nut? Anyway, I clearly build lots of things. Um, But knowing, knowing that is definitely a type of knowledge, right? And, and at the same time, of a passion to do the work is to me at least in the word bina is in this general kind of why am I doing it? What is it for? What's the general goal and like thing that makes me excited to continue with this passion project? Um, so you're totally right. And I think that part of it gets lost in the translation that we are using like synonyms across as opposed to really making each one of these three words feel like a different aspect of the reason that ultimately he does the project. Now tell me why I'm wrong, Rabbi Shapiro. No, you're wrong. You're you're great. You're great. Look, they're Hebrew words that we can translate lots of different ways. So so there's no one way to eat a Reese's on this for sure. Um, my understanding, understanding. Eh? My my sense of it is that chokhmah is like information, right? Like you know a lot of facts. You know a lot of stuff. If you have chokhmah, you've acquired um, a lot of like knowledge. Bina is then starting to um, like sort of make connections from that practical knowledge out into the world. Um, like Denise put in the chat insight. It's like it's insight. And I've also seen it explained as like logical reasoning, right? Like you're, you're kind of starting to um, put together the facts and figures and, and basic information um, that you've uh, 
that you that you've gleaned, and then da'at is is the highest form of that. That that sort of it's like it's an escalation. There's chokma, then there's bina, then there's da'at, and da'at is really when you're able to integrate the facts and the insights into like a lived wisdom of the facts and the deductions, and then you then you're really able to to put that together. Um, Rabbi Shantz is making a face at me, but that, but that's okay. Yeah, um, I think I, you still need inspiration, or that artist doesn't create. Total, and and so so what I would say to you, Nancy, in terms of that is that I think that that's the ruach Elohim, and that the ruach Elohim is motivating all of that, right? That the ruach Elohim is what is what is what brings that out to then fuel that that piece. I'll say I'll say two more things about that. Well, I'll say, mm, I'll say two more things about that. But before I say two more things about that, I'll say one more thing about that, which is that I think three things. One, two, three. Mm-hmm, yeah, but it's one, then it's two. The one thing I'll say about that writ large is that I think it's an interesting question and Bina appropriately uh, prompt has prompted me on this before in this class in terms of like, that's great, Shapiro. How does that actually help me live my life better? <laughs> always a great question. Um, I think it's worth, I think it's important to cultivate all of those, all of those types of thinking about the world and understanding the world. We should always be learning more. We should always be learning more facts. We should always be gaining more knowledge. We should be working on our Bina. We should be working on the connections, the extrapolations, the relational pieces between that information. And we should be working towards that. How do we put all the pieces together so that we can have a deeper understanding, not just of the information, not just of those connections, but really thinking more deeply about the world around us. Those are all slightly different things. Those are all slightly different ways of processing information and thinking about the world around us. And they're each really important. Two more things on that. One is I'm reading a really interesting book right now called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. It's a new book that that's out. He's sort of like a sociologist. He looks at sort of different trends in the world. He's written about addiction. He's written about depression. And this book is about sort of noticing how, how easily distracted all of us are collectively and what do we do about that. And he talks about the exponentially increased amount of information we have access to right now. It's crazy. The sheer amount of information we're exposed to on a daily basis is more than people used to get in like a week or a month, right? There's just so much data streaming at us all of the time. And it's extremely overwhelming and really difficult to parse through. And in some ways impacts our ability to really focus. And I think that that's, an interesting piece to hang on to as, as we're talking about this, right? Like, I don't know if everything you read on the internet is chokhmah. That's not what I'm saying, but, but there's, there's an abundance of facts. Great. How do you sift through those facts? How do you sift through that information to get to some insight and then to get to some wisdom? There's no shortage of information right now. But we, we don't necessarily, I'll speak for myself, like I'm always, especially like there's a crisis in the world happening right now. There's a war. There's a war in the world right now. There's a ton of information coming at us. There's still a pandemic. There's a ton of information coming at us. Just being a person in the world, there's a ton of information coming at us. And so it's, it's a really important question to ask, okay, what's the information that I'm going to focus on and how do I distill that down into, into insight and then hopefully into wisdom? I think that that's a really, really, really important question. The other thing I'll say that I love about this verse is that we usually talk about chokhmah, bina, and da'at, but it's not just that. I'll pull up the verse one more time. If you look at the end of verse 31, it says, Uvechomlacha, right? And the way it's translated is in every kind of craft, but I would translate that a bit differently, right? That God fills the spirit of God, the, the Ruach Elohim endows him, fills him up with knowledge, with insight and with wisdom and with the knowledge of how to do it. It's not enough just to have the intellectual knowledge and to have the intellectual insight and the intellectual wisdom. You got to know how to actually bring that out in the world, right? Otherwise it's, it's, all, just, it's all just in your head. And I think that, you know, it's uh, I I love the heady stuff as as much as anybody. I think I think there's I think there's a collective awareness of that, and it's not just okay. What can you learn and what can you gain insight to and what can you have wisdom on? 
how are you then going to implement that in the world, right? Betzalel could have all the skill on the, all the wisdom on the planet, but if he didn't know how to actually create the tabernacle, it's useless. I can have all the wisdom in the world, but unless I know how to really implement that and bring that out, right? I can learn, I can read a lot of books, I can, I can gain a lot of insight, but unless I know how to share that and unless I know how to live that, it's all just noise, and so I think that that's a really important phrase that that closes out that verse. There were a lot of hands that went up while I was sharing that. So I'm very interested to hear what other people have to say. Denise, Rebecca, Bina, Michael, let's go. Um, just a question, because when you, when you had the screen share up a minute ago, um, and I saw the word malacha, and I wondered if that's the same as, like, on Friday night, Melacha, and then if it, and then it kind of relates back because it's creative work and it's, I don't know, it feels almost like a statement on art that that like helps create the world kind of, um, I don't know. So I was just wondering if that's the same word or not. It is the same and it's exactly the connection that you just made. Um, so when we hear the word Melacha, Rabbi Shapiro mentioned this at the beginning of the Parsha that we go straight from building the tabernacle into Six days a week you should work, and then on the seventh day you should rest, which seems like a really bizarre, um, really bizarre transition. But because we get the word malacha later on, the rabbis make this connection of all the things that we did to create the tabernacle become the things that we are not allowed to do on Shabbat. So sewing and building and hammering and all those kinds of things, those become the 39 malachot for all of Shabbat that we are not supposed to do between Friday night and Saturday night. So you are spot on. And that is exactly where that word comes from. I want to, I want to point out, Paula made an interesting comment in the chat because we've been having this conversation about like, where does the inspiration come from? Paula wrote inspiration. I find that frequently I just have to sit and do. And then if I'm lucky, I get inspiration. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of a, a Stephen King quote, who's of course like a really prolific author. Um, and Stephen King said about writing, amateurs sit around and wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work, mm. right? That you can, you can want to be inspired. And that's no knock on inspiration. It's great to be inspired. Mm. Um, and sometimes you just got to show up and get to work. And the inspiration hopefully will emerge mm-hmm. from like getting into doing the, the business of, of what needs to be done. Mm. And I think that that's an interesting sort of counterbalance to that. Thanks for that, Paula. Rebecca. So I have a few things to say. I kind of it's been gathering and I've been having to run back and forth to the kitchen. So I'm hopefully I'm not repeating something. Um, you should pull a Renee and just set up shop in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am baking a new type of challah, so I'm worried about it. Oh. So, um, but what, what I, kind I of wanted, it's a challah that has uh, trina in it which is supposed to make it softer. So we'll see. All right, let us know how it goes. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to go back to the Chokma Tuna and Dat piece um, because my, my interpretation is maybe, is sort of like yours, Rabbi Shapira, but not quite. I feel like it's the, the steps towards being able to... Um, so you start with Chokmah, which is sort of your inner, your inner powers, your, your intellect. And then Tuna, which I associate with the word Havana and with the word Lit Bonen, to look at things. So the ability to understand what you see. So to be looking and understanding. And then Da'at is that step where you actually have an opinion about something. And so it's sort of those three steps, and then you can do some work, which is milaka. And then in the, um, with regard to the inspiration, I think later they mention, they use the words tacham lev, which is sort of, I feel, might be that angle sort of a thing. So you know everything, and then you also have sort of this, um, a more of a heart, an understanding in your heart rather than in your mind of, of what to do. So 
So that was my, my take of it. I really like that. I also really like the idea of connecting Chochmah and Chacham Lev. Maybe that's why I translated it the way that I did, because I do think that to, to be smart, the way that we use it colloquially is like, oh, that was such a smart statement. But it actually, this, this is where I disagree with Rabbi Shapiro on his translations. I think the dot is more like, actually, you know, two plus two equals four. I think that's, that's just not, you, you know that it's a fact, you know, that that's something that it is. But I actually think that Chochmah is more like wisdom, that something that you, you might know that two plus two equals four, but the wisdom that you have behind that is how you can actually get to four in different ways, right? That's obviously a very basic example, but, but the, the, the wisdom that you have, that you might have behind something. And so when we get Chacham Lev, it's not just the smarts that you have, but it's actually that, to go back to Nancy, like that inspiration, that, that, um, that wherewithal of whether you're in a community and you're trying to create things for those around you, like it's a sensitivity almost that, that wisdom for, for being able to like read the room, right? Know, know what's going on so that you can respond to it. Um, and Chacham Lev is exactly that, like having that, having that connection through, through feeling and through understanding, but it's a different kind of understanding than just factual understanding. Uh, Bina. Oh, you're muted. Yeah. I <laughs> um, hello everybody. I am new here and, um, I am, I am, I apologize if I, um, I'm very immature. So come back. Everything Maybe. is frozen. So I don't know. There you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. You're just saying that you're new to all this. Oh. Wait, I can't hear you. Oh, that's. I cannot hear you. What's happening? He can hear you. Can you hear us now? Are, are you talking? I cannot hear you. I don't know what happened. Okay, I'll. Can you hear me? I cannot hear you. I have no idea what happened. Okay. Um, should I just. No. Yeah, I'll wait. So I'll. I'll take my turn later, I think. <laughs> you can, can you hear us? No, okay. Okay, um, Mike, and I'll chat to her. I just want to, um, I mean, this discussion makes me want to give a big call out to uh, both Rabbi Shapiro and Rabbi Schatz because, you know, I'm, well, okay, I'm in Boston, or, or whether I'm in Boston or San Antonio or Brooklyn. I mean, I wouldn't be on these calls if it wasn't for um, uh, the chokhmah, whatever you want to call it, that you give us each week. And then we have we take that, and I mean, we we you take a a pasuk out of a out of a particular. You you both decide on what you're going to concentrate on, something that that is related to mental health, and then. We take that in. Um, not only are you filled with that, but then you fill us with that. And then it is like Rabbi Shapiro says, when do, uh, it's our, it's our responsibility or what you hope is that somehow that helps us process to, to act in this world. And that's what I see happening. And that's why I'm here. And that's what you do every week after week. So Yasha Koach for it because that's uh, that's your your role and and Batsella was chosen because he had special qualities to get that out of people, to get them to think, to get them to realize what they had inside each of them, and that in a sense then it comes out. If hopefully if it works right. You know, there was a I mean, in 1985, in 1986, I made my first trip to Israel, took my dad, and it wasn't his first trip. He actually had been once before, but we were on this huge Federation mission, and the, and the executive director of the Federation got me in the back of the bus, and he said, if you've given, uh, if you've, uh, if you're able to pay your Federation pledge all at once, you're not giving enough. And I thought, my goodness, I, I actually was angry at the time. I said, how can you say something like that? But it was the kind of thing that 
that really um, in some way brought us all to uh, or brought a lot of us on that trip to uh, make a commitment to do things in our community and with our shoal and with our federation. And, uh, and I see that, you know, in a very strong, uh, strong way at uh, Temple Beth Am and uh, whether it's uh, uh, refugee Shabbat or uh, Kol Tefillah or a regular Shabbat. It's happening because of uh, the, the work that you guys put in. So, Yashikoach. And, 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 you know, yeah, we occasionally, uh, hopefully we act and we, and we, and we think about what we're doing in our, just in interaction with other people in our family or interaction with others in our community. And hopefully we build things better in the future. And I think you're right, Rabbi Shapiro, about um, the issue of everything. There's so much information being pushed at us each day. But I think the fact that what's different about, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just say something about a book that I'm just started it's called The Quiet Before by Gal Beckerman. He uh, used to be at the New York Times, and now he's at, Atlant- at the Atlantic. And uh, he talks about what, what, you know, what makes, I mean, what makes social media so important and then so disappointing at times. And, as a, uh, and, he, and, he, and he brings up the Samistat, the, the notes that were passed by the refuseniks in the Soviet Union back, uh, at that time, and I sometimes think that it's you know our Jewish texts and our Torah and our and our Talmud, our Midrash that are alive now as they were back then. That something that was more alive in those people made those actions in some respects more successful than than some of the things that happen in social media nowadays. It, we have a Higher, well, thank God we have Zoom and that we're able to do these kind of things. But we have, when you're dealing with a higher authority or some, something bigger than ourselves, then it, uh, if it comes out right and we learn and study, then we become better stewards of that tradition ourselves. I hope that made sense. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, that was a very, um, a very beautiful, um, a connection to both our community and to the outside world and to, to how you are in both of those, both of those, um, arenas. And I think a lot of people from what I was seeing were really, um, appreciative of the words that you were sharing and, and agreed a lot with what, what you were sharing. So, so thank you for doing so. And I wish that we could just say, Oh, and that's it because that was a great endorsement for this class. (laughs) Um, but I also will not to get like too sappy about things, but I, I know that Rabbi Shapiro and I really appreciate what you just said and that others on this call have said it to us as well. And I think that we do it because of that that I was talking about a few minutes ago. Like we see this as something that is filling other people up. And so we continue to do it because it is great for us and we really enjoy it. But if it wasn't great for other people and didn't, somehow inspire them or make them feel like their Shabbat was going to be off to a great start. Um, we wouldn't. So the, the passion is, is reciprocal in all the best ways uh, that we, we find that passion because we know that it's something that is being enjoyed. So, so thank you for continuing to join us. And those of you on the podcast who haven't yet, you should. Um, okay. Bina, if you can hear us, come go, feel free to share and then Renee, and then we'll wrap up. Um, I'm sorry, Rabbi Shapira, I really like the point that you made about um, this world to be so overwhelmed with all the information and uh, just let me just touch it just a little bit. I came from Ukraine, from Odessa uh, 30 years ago, 1991. And uh, what's happening now, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to go into it, but I'm just saying, uh, all this information right now about this, but you know we have so ma- so much of this information bombarding our brain. Um, can you can you uh, talk a little more about the connection about this point of yours to the weekly partial that we're talking about? I I can just not see the connection. Um, can you yeah. please? Yeah, sure. 
Um, maybe maybe I'll hang on to that, and we can hear from Renee, and then and then I'll try to wrap us up. Is that okay? Sure. But but I, I wanna I want. I want to be mindful of the time and I want to address that. And I want to make sure Renee, Renee has an opportunity to share, but, but yes, absolutely. Just let's hear from Thank Renee and then I'll, I'll try to bring it all together. Thank you. I just wanted to say, but it doesn't really make sense now anymore, but that, um, that there, are, it, it relates to back to something you guys said earlier, that there are a lot of people that we probably all know who are intellectually quite intelligent, but they don't have that, uh, the, the Chochmah or the Bina that's, yeah. necessary to exist in the world but they may be like book smart but not sure. world smart that's it sure yeah, yeah. I, I think you know R- rabbi Schatz and i joke about this you know in terms of different types of learners there are also different types of intelligence right there's emotional intelligence there's artistic intelligence there's kinesthetic intelligence right there's a lot of different ways of uh, of, of sort of understanding and knowing about the world and I think, Bina, to, to your question in terms of how this is connected to the Parsha, what makes Betzalel uniquely suited for this role is the fact that he has all of these different types of wisdom, which is not a given, right? To, to Renee's point just now, there, there can be people who have one type of intelligence or one type of wisdom, but don't necessarily have the others. And I think this this verse is a is a reminder and a push for us to reflect a bit and say okay where where do i have sort of some knowledge or some understanding or some wisdom and where might i be lacking that um and how can i kind of take that as a charge to work on that uh within myself and the other piece i'll say sort of in terms of the you know like you're asking the situation that we're in I, I, I'm a bit shaken up because I'm dealing with it on a professional front. I won't get into it, but like there's, there's a tendency now to read one piece of information and to have that drive you into action. I just read this on the news, or I just read this study, or I just read this thing and I'm going to react at you about it. Right. Like that's, that, that is a common modality of interaction in the world right now. And I, I get it. And I have those impulses too, right? You read the study, you read the news story, you get the ping on your phone that makes you go crazy. And I think what this verse is saying is pause, take a deep breath, right? You've gotten this piece of information. Okay. That is a, that is, that is something you can learn about that gives you a a little more uh, understanding or a little more insight into the world. And how can you try to integrate that into a deeper understanding, not just responding to that one piece of information, but to try to integrate it into a larger whole, and then to do that malacha, then to act from that place of kind of a higher, more integrated way of thinking about the world. And that is hard. That's not an easy thing to do, especially when we're bombarded with information, which then in turn, of course, makes it that much more important right? The hard things are often the important things. So when we notice ourselves getting bombarded with information, that's tough to sort through, to not just jump, to not just go, because I read this, right? And we're all like on a hair trigger these days because of everything that's happening. Really tough. And so I think this verse is a reminder and heading into Shabbat, like a reminder, say, pause, take a deep breath, what might be another side? What might be another way of understanding this? What might be a way of deepening this understanding? And then after doing that, to then act from that place of wisdom. Um, I think, I think that's, the, that's one of the messages we can get from this verse, which is tough, which is tough. And that's why we need the reminder. So I think. The other thing I'll say just as we wrap up is, Michael, that was a lovely comment. That, that's very kind of you. And for me, in terms of this class, what I love about this is that, you know, we, we, uh, I'll speak for myself. I do not always feel filled with the spirit of God on a Friday morning. Um, I hope that's not just too disillusioning to anybody. Um, but it's, it's through the interactions, right? It's through the conversation. I think that we get to deeper insight, right? I think that's what, for me, that's one of the, the main joys of this class is that I have the stuff that I want to bring. And I, I wrap this up at 12 or 1206. We're running late. Um, like with a deeper understanding of what's going on because of the conversation. And that's a really beautiful thing. And I think also an important reminder that we don't do this alone, that we do this in partnership and in community. And that's really important too.
Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Uh, hope to see you soon. And Bina, just sending you some extra extra love and strength. This is not an easy time for people who call the Ukraine home. So um, Ukraine is definitely in our minds and our hearts and our blessings. And I know that goes m- much deeper for you than it does than it does for those of us who haven't lived there. Uh, so really thinking about you and hope that you can find moments of peace and quiet and, um, and, and real prayer over, over Shabbat. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.